Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. <laughs> oh, I can see you're ready to record. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the shallow end continues. And we wanted to just uh, maybe take a moment and thank everybody for the, uh, the initial support. Things have been going pretty well. And uh, it's just so heartening to see that uh, people don't want to kill us yet. It's heartening, and honestly, it's a little surprising. <laughs> I think, seriously, you're really listening to this? Yeah, I know. Are you listening to the same podcast that we're putting out? Because your glowing comments are, frankly, somewhat surprising. Yeah, and suspect. <laughs> um, we're getting emails now, too. And by the way, our uh, website is shallowendpodcast.com. All our contact information is is on there. Uh, this came in on the shallow end. Lindsay told the story of Gilbert Gottfried and the elephant and how Lindsay got to ride an elephant while he worked at Disney. I worked at Disney World when Aladdin was released, and uh, they were having a big premiere parade for it. The night before, I was stand-in, or shall we say sit-in, for a celebrity to ride a camel. I rode the camel for rehearsal. Yes, one odd benefit to working there. You never know what you're going to be doing. Love the new show, love the box, and I'm flying my freak flag. That's, that's, so you weren't kidding. Riding on elephants is one of the perks. But to this, to this former cast member's point, you never really know what you're going to be asked to do or get to do. What's the weirdest thing? that you did while working for Disneyland that looking back now you go, I'll never have that opportunity anywhere else. You know, there was a, uh, we, we were doing an overnight uh, video shoot for the opening of Splash Mountain. So uh, this would have been April of 1989. Mm -hmm. And it was 3.30 in the morning and it was, a, it was the lunch break. And we were sitting in a bunch of, uh, Logs, you know the the flume ride. You're you're sitting in a hollowed out log, right? <laughs> and we were all sitting in logs eating our lunch at three thirty in the morning. <laughs> and afterward, one of the little people who was a character in the park during the day was uh, an extra for this behind the scenes video that we were shooting, and. He draped a towel over his arm like a like a waiter at a, a very high end restaurant, uh -huh. 
and walked around to everybody in their hollowed out logs offering them mints as dessert. <laughs> and he came mint, as like a mint. And I thought, here I am at 3.30 in the morning sitting in a hollowed out log behind an unopened attraction and a little person is offering me mints for dessert. <laughs> That's going to be hard to live up to. It's like you've already peaked, Linz. <laughs> Maybe we should just say goodnight. Goodnight, everyone. So ends episode seven of The Shallow <laughs> Before we do that, we have, to, we have to hear your story and then probably mine too. But, but go ahead. What do you have this week? It's actually, I think it, it might be my favorite story so far. There's a woman, this is in the summer of 2010, August of 2010, and a 49-year-old doctor, a woman named Jacqueline Katarik. She had been having a few cocktails at Cafe Med. I like the way this, this is starting. Don't you, though? Yeah. Any story that starts with cocktails yeah. is... Having a few cocktails. Yeah, at this place in Cafe Med. This is in Bakersfield, California. So after a few cocktails, she has a uh, she has a service drive her home. And I'm guessing this is a car service because I don't think there was Lyft or Uber yet in 2010. Mm, yeah. Anyway, she uh, she gets driven home and then she decides to drive herself <clears throat> to her boyfriend's house because she wants to see him. Only thing is, he's uh, he's not answering the door, but she really wants to see him and. <laughs> Unfortunately, William Moody, the aptly named William Moody, has decided he does not want to see the good doctor in a, in a social uh, way anymore. I see. So he has actually slipped out the back door <laughs> to spend the night somewhere else because he just doesn't want to deal with her. Well, she's not having any of this. So after pounding on the door, she finds herself a shovel. <laughs> and she thinks, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to break in. Uh -huh. So she starts banging on the back door of the house with the shovel. <laughs> but that doesn't work. So she's looking around. She's thinking, okay, how can, I, how can I get into Bill's house? And she looks up at the roof and sees, oh, that's right. He's got a chimney. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No. Let that... Let that sink in while I pour my beverage. All right, go ahead. So she finds a she finds a ladder and uh, she climbs the roof, climbs the ladder onto the roof, and uh, she decides to slide down the chimney. She's pulling a Santa. She's pulling a Santa. And keep in mind too, this is <clears throat> this is after a, a couple of drinks mm -hmm. where, like so many of these stories that we end up telling on this podcast. Anything fueled by alcohol or controlled substances, they're often not the best, no. not the best ideas. No, it's funny too. It depends on what kind of alcohol one's drinking, but I would assume tequila would probably be the one that would go, you know, you can fit down that chimney. Go ahead. Yeah. Give it yeah. a shot. Tequila. It's funny you'd say that because I wondered about tequila and I also wondered about gin because gin, gin can, can really mess up some some of your better decision making <laughs> are you speaking from personal experience Lynn? <laughs> well I, I i'm not a drinking man but if i were to, if i were to drink i'm sure i might have a gin and tonic now and again yes. that was my my favorite drink in college i have to confess gin and tonics and uh club sandwich for lunch <laughs> at the arizona inn wow in Tucson. the arizona yeah. inn well, Remember that place? I do. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, this woman, this this doctor, this is on a, a Wednesday evening, and um, on uh, Thursday, 
the doctor does not show up for work. Uh-oh. So some coworkers end up calling the uh, Bakersfield police and say, you know, this is very, very unlike Dr. Katarik. Uh, she didn't come into work today. And- really? Because uh, the based on what you've just told us, it seems very likely she wouldn't show up often. Well, we don't find that out in the story, but that's that's a very logical assumption on your part, okay. Kat. And okay. again, again, you have you have taken something very complex and crystallized it down to the nut, okay. which I greatly appreciate. Thank you. So finally, after uh, a few more days. Uh, in fact, on Saturday, the police start putting two and two together, and they go to the house of Mr. Moody because now people are reporting a smell, a foul odor. Coming, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. coming from the. This is this is what just a day or two? You said this would be well on Saturday. Okay, uh, and and this this. Uh, her, her bright idea of the chimney entrance was on a Wednesday Okay, evening, all right. And if my this, notes are correct. This is Bakersfield. Ba- Bakersfield in August. In August. Any of you who know uh, that inland part of, of California in the summertime is, it's not a cool climate. Anybody that's found a decomposing corpse in their chimney in Bakersfield will understand what you're saying. Now, admittedly, that's a small slice of our demographic, but... It's an important one. So they get up on the uh, on the roof and they look down in the chimney and sure enough, there is a uh, there is a body Oof. lodged in that chimney, and they try uh, they try lifting her out and it doesn't work. So they call firefighters because that's that's what we expect from firefighters to absolutely do everything. Firefighters spend five hours demolishing the chimney. Ugh. To the point where they can extract oh. the body. Now, was she feet down or head down? Feet down. Okay. Feet first. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which, uh, again, n- never having decided <laughs> that I would try entering a house through a chimney, I would also think feet first would be yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the best way of making that work. The reason I ask is because uh, not too long ago in upstate New York, they were tearing down a uh, an old restaurant and in the process, they found the skeleton of a man that had been missing for 15 years upside down in the chimney. So he, he had, had gone, gone head, first. head first. He had gone head first, yeah. Oh. I wonder if that's because he went feet first and it wasn't working and he thought, well, if I go head first. I can pull myself out when I get to the, I, I don't. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that'll work. Who my claustrophobic instinct is yeah. really kicking in here. I'm uncomfortable. The following week, a spokesperson for the Kern County Sheriff coroner said an autopsy had uh, established that Dr. Katarik had indeed suffocated to death. The pressure being placed on her chest would not allow her lungs to expand, and she suffocated, oh, he oh, said. Oh. And the homeowner told a local newspaper he was, he was still reeling from the shock of what had happened. Oh. They had gone out on several dates, and he had decided this wasn't... Um, this just wasn't working out. And now, after all of that, he's got to replace his chimney. Yeah, it's just to, to compound a, a bad story. He says, I feel this incredible sense of loss. It's hard to accept the fact that she's gone. She made a horrendously bad decision, and she paid for it with her life. Now, believe it or not, Katarik's sisters actually filed a wrongful death lawsuit. <laughs> no. 
because his chimney wasn't big enough? <laughs> Saying that the plaintiffs, the sisters, had lost, quote, the love, society, comfort, and attention, unquote, of the doctor, and they were asking for unspecified damages. Uh, they said John Doe, number one, the homeowner, did not recognize and therefore failed to act upon a potentially risky or dangerous situation by notifying authorities or others affiliated with the doctor. Such breach resulted in the death of Dr. Katarik. How did that go? Well, the suit was dismissed at the mm. request of, of the sister's attorney. Yeah. So mm. wow. uh, it's unclear exactly why the attorney requested the dismissal, but it was... It was dismissed nonetheless. So they filed this lawsuit and then their attorney withdrew it? Correct. Huh. Yeah, the attorney actually went to the judge and said, you know what, let's just dismiss this. And I'm guessing cooler heads prevailed and, uh, and they decided, yeah, we don't really need to, we don't really need to belabor the point. So I, I was struck by that because I thought, you know, that's, that's sort of an unusual thing to do. And I bet that's, I bet that's the first time that that ever happened. I'm Which led me to another story. <laughs> <laughs> and a woman named Genoveva Nunez Figueroa had been on, again, several dates with a guy who we name, uh, we only know his name as Lawrence. And he had met this woman online. They had gone out on six dates. And he told... Uh, KCBS in Los Angeles that he knew this woman but had decided that he again did not want to see her anymore. So this takes place in Thousand Oaks, California, the uh, the San Fernando Valley uh northwest of of Los Angeles. And same thing. This uh this woman decides no you're you're going to see me and uh he's not uh he's not home, he's not answering the door. This was in the valley. This is in the San Fernando Valley, yes. Did she use the term gag me with a spoon? Because I hear that's, <laughs> that's all the rage with the youngsters in the valley. With the young kids. Yeah. So she actually tried the same thing. Oof. Uh, no. Tried going down the chimney, and she got actually farther down. The, the first woman, the woman who expired, was only two feet Oof. from the top of the chimney. Oof. This woman... Um, Ms. Figueroa was actually eight feet from the top. So Ooh. think about that. That's a that's a long way down. Oof. Now, fortunately, this woman survived oh. and was able to call for help. And so people out walking their dogs, 545 in the morning, <laughs> hear these muffled cries for help and are able to realize that it's coming from a chimney. And so they call police and police show up and the Thousand Oaks Fire Department had much better luck. They had an urban search and rescue team, and they get on the roof. They see how far down this woman is, but they see that she's conscious and that she's alive, and they think, okay, we, we're probably going to be able to pull her out. So how do you think a sophisticated operation like this goes? What, what would you um, use where you don't have to des destroy the chimney to extract somebody stuck inside? I would say... Uh a tether or a rope and maybe a couple of gallons of uh, vegetable oil. Well, you're very, very close. Aha. They used dish soap. There you go. Mm. They're spraying the, the flue, the inside of the chimney with dish soap. And they are able 
to extract her just two and a half hours after wow. she started wow. yelling for help. Can you imagine the 911 call when that came in? 911, <laughs> what's your emergency? Um, it's, there's someone, it, I think there's someone in a chimney and they might not want to be there. So yeah, there's a chimney person. I dig that. I dig that voice. That's a, that's a new character you just created. It's his Steve Zahn. No, my Steve Zahn's more like a man in a really cool camper. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my Steve Zahn. I was really I doing more of a voices. Rick Moranis uh, mm-hmm. from Ghostbusters. You same. know that was that was very Rick Moranis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the woman uh, Genevieve Nunez Figueroa, a 30 year old Thousand Oaks resident, was arrested for illegally entering a residence and providing false information to a peace officer. And I don't know exactly what? what that was, but maybe she said something like, I dropped my keys. Right? <laughs> Ma'am, you're, you're in a chimney. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so Lawrence, who would give only his first name, said to the media, it wasn't Santa Claus for sure, but having someone in your chimneys, kind of a weird thing you wouldn't <laughs> expect to come home to. And then he actually, to his credit, offers caution to other people about allowing acquaintances into their homes. And he says, you know, before you have somebody come into your house, really check them out. I mean, really give it some time before you let somebody in because, well, they just might want to stay. Truer words have never been spoken. So she made it down eight feet. That's quite quite a distance. It is. If they had not, the passersby had not heard her yelling for help, it's very possible this man would have come home to see two legs dangling from his fireplace. Yeah. And actually, it's it's after that first story, it makes you realize just how lucky this second woman yeah. was. There. God, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that she survived. Yeah. yeah. Right. Pulled this from, uh, from Huffington Post, KTLA, TheGuardian.com, and the Bakersfield, California. Well, that was uh, upsetting and interesting, and I feel like we all benefit from life lessons with Lawrence. Indeed. I love that. Yeah. And uh, chimneys are really for one thing, kids, so don't try anything else but warming your house. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of uh, one of the reviews on iTunes about The Shallow End, where they said something to the effect of, uh, we're promoting self-esteem through other people's stupidity. (laughs) I love that. I think we should use that. That should be a tagline. Yeah. (laughs) It's the podcast that's humorous and a public service all at the same time. That's right. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. It's been called the single largest church in America because it's true. Welcome to our church of the swollen heart. Sitting on some 1,250 square miles in Central Florida, Swollen Heart is the largest non-denominational church anywhere in the country. But we're much more than a church. True, we offer only one service on Sunday mornings, and it's only in English, because that's what Jesus spoke. But it lasts just 12 minutes, including two collections, so you and your family can get on to what really matters, fun, food, and drink. Families just love our par 5 24-hole championship golf course with soaring river rapids and breathtaking waterfalls and real quicksand bunkers to challenge your game. If big game hunting is more your speed, Swollen Heart has you covered. Let your kids experience the thrill of stalking and killing real animals. Don't worry, you'll be shooting blanks. The animals are trained to fall over when they hear a gunshot. Just don't tell the toddlers. 
Someone mentioned thrill rides? Our amusement park at Great Flags over Orlando is larger than those little Disney and Universal parks next door. And just in time for summer, buckle up for the new Vortex of Death roller coaster. Not a single NASA astronaut could make it without passing out, but maybe you've got the right stuff. After a day of adventure, you're bound to be hungry. Choose from one of our 176 restaurants with everything your Christian mouth can handle. In the mood for fish? Try Simon Peter's Fried Fish Frenzy or the Wedding Feast of Cana with bottomless jugs of wine and plenty of baskets left over. And those Christians 21 and older will enjoy the Twelve Apostles Brewery with more beers on tap than anywhere else in Orange County. Feeling adventuresome? Try a 24-ounce Judas Ale and see what happens to your best friend. And every Sunday at 5 p.m., one lucky guest is chosen to play Pontius Pilate in a recreation of the trial of Jesus Christ. There's even an actor dressed as Barabbas. Ignore the cries of the crowd, set Jesus free, and get a commemorative coffee mug. On your way to the parking lot, make sure you visit our Garden of Gethsemane gift warehouse, a full acre of collectibles sure to remind you of your new favorite spot to worship Jesus and drop hundreds in cash. Our Church of the Swollen Heart, just off Interstate 4 in Orlando. Se habla espanol. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? <laughs> you get the goofiest game in history, Queen's Podcast. Hi, I'm Nathan. And I'm Katie. And we're the host of Queen's Podcast. Join us while we spill the tea on women from history. We get into all kinds of stories here, like biographies of lesser known figures. For instance, Saida Haltura, powerful pirate queen. To the stories you might already know, like Marie Antoinette or Cleopatra, but with a fun twist. Each queen is paired with a cocktail that'll totally get you in the mood to hear fun, juicy, and dramatic stories from history. Because history is so much more than just dudes on a battlefield, and we believe that the female perspective and roles are just as deserving of their time in the spotlight. Right. So come get to know these queens. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Okay, so we asked a major reality TV star to promote our podcast as a favor. And they said no. Ping me off the air and I'll tell you who it was. 
You're in the shallow end with Schnibbly and Toth. Once again, if you want to uh, send us an email, you can go to our website, shallowendpodcast.com. Almost you said, almost said the box of oddities, I didn't did. you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> You'd be forgiven. And the reason that I'm not giving the address out right now is because I'm, I'm thinking about changing it. But for now, you can just go there and whatever's on the site, uh, you, can, you can reach us uh, through. Anyway, Scout wrote us and said, I just finished listening to the first podcast that had me simultaneously laugh and gag at the same time. <laughs> but it did remind me, I think they're referring to the vault toilet episode. Mm. It did remind oh, yeah. me of a family story that has been passed down. My grandparents built a cabin in northern Wisconsin. It had only facilities, and the only facilities they had were an outhouse. At night, a flashlight was needed when nature called. My grandfather was adamant that if anybody let the flashlight fall down the hole, that they would have to go down after it, reminding the family every time they took the walk. It was ingrained in each of the kids' heads. One evening, my grandpa walked through the dark side yard back into the cabin, the flashlight missing. He had dropped it down the hole. Oh! The outhouse stayed lit for three nights as the batteries died. (laughs) It was never seen again. (laughs) r.i.p flashlight what a waste (laughs) what a waste (laughs) it's a pun because it was in waste yep that's puns for you (laughs) because i care about you both she's like a non-stop pun machine (laughs) well back in the summer of 2019 robert berger 25 of huntington new york was having a very bad day he was arrested for theft and appeared in court where he pleaded guilty to charges of possession of a stolen lexus also attempted grand larceny of a truck. The charges stemmed from fourth-degree possession of stolen property in December of 2018 and third-degree attempted grand larceny in June of 2019. Berger was then released until his sentencing, which was to be held in October. Now, as he's leaving the courthouse, he seems incredibly distraught, which is not a surprise for anybody that goes through something like this, you think, ah, geez, that was a horrible decision. Now I've got to face the music. Sure. So what Berger did was quickly flee the state of New York. (laughs) His sentencing was on October 28th, and that rolled around. But at the hearing, Berger's former attorney, Meyer Moza, informed the court that unfortunately Berger had died. What? This according to the district attorney's office. He then presented uh, the copy of uh, a copy of the death certificate, Berger's New Jersey death certificate. It stated cause of death, suicide by suffocation. Oh my gosh. So apparently a few days earlier, he fell down a chimney. <laughs> Robert <laughs> Robert's fiance had shown up at uh, his attorney's office to inform them that Robert had been found dead and that he killed himself. She then presented the death certificate to substantiate that. The attorney, of course, was horrified to hear about this and submitted the information along with the death certificate to the prosecutor's office. Everything seemed to be in order until the prosecutors looked more closely at the death certificate that appeared to have been issued by the New Jersey Department of Health Vital Statistics and Registry Office. Hmm. They noticed that the word registry was misspelled. It was spelled (laughs) R-E-G-S-I-T-R-Y. The way that that's Hmm. spelled sounds like 
how a drunk person would say registry. Yeah, <laughs> registry. Registry. <laughs> they also noticed that the that several different font types were used, and the sizes varied, which obviously raised some suspicion. I wonder what the thought process was when he was forging this document. Oh, this is so boring. I need to punch this up. I know. Yeah. Comic Sans. <laughs> I'll throw in some other fonts. Anyway, they contacted the New Jersey Department of Health, Vital Statistics, and Registries office, who confirmed that not only was the death certificate fake, but they did indeed know how to spell. Um, <laughs> so where was Mr. Berger if he was still alive? The answer? In Philadelphia. In jail on other charges. It appears as though he had been arrested in suburban Philadelphia on charges that included allegations of providing a false identity to law enforcement and a theft at a local Catholic college. He was hmm. in jail for a year on those charges, according to Pennsylvania court records. His attorney for the other case that he faked his death certificate for understandably felt used and manipulated as he was lied to obviously. Sure. So a public defender took over Berger's case. In the case for his involvement for forging an official document, he, he pleaded not guilty to a single count of offering a false instrument for filing. A judge set his bail at just $1. But that was mostly because he was already in jail and he was serving time on underlying cases. Mr. Berger, because of this particular crime, faced up to four years in prison. That, of course, is in addition to uh, other sentences for earlier guilty pleas and unrelated cases that he did plead guilty for. Nassau County District Attorney Madeline Singa said in a telephone interview, quote, and I'm sure she had a deep sigh, it will never cease to amaze me the lengths some people will go to to avoid being held accountable on <laughs> criminal charges. So in researching this case, you know, I, I, I saw it on one site and uh, I Googled Robert Berger fake death certificate. And you know how sometimes Google will offer unrelated search suggestions that other people sure. have, have sure. searched for? Well, the number one search suggestion that came up when I Googled that was fake death certificate maker. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a toy from our childhood? It does, by Hasbro. Yeah, the makers of Spirograph. Um, the second one right after it was, quote, is it illegal to fake your own death? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to guess yes. Yeah. In many of the articles that I did come across regarding Mr. Berger's story, they also referenced another news report uh, about another guy named Kenneth Goldstein, it's funny because that happened in your segment where one story led to another. Exactly. The episode uh, regarding Mr. Goldstein happened back in 2014. It appears that Kenneth Goldstein, who was 51 at the time and living in Queens, New York, fancied himself a pretty good lawyer. He was good at lawyering. And his backstory <laughs> was damn compelling. Uh, he was a combat veteran that had been injured in the Gulf War. He was a former member of the military's prestigious JAG Corps, or Judge Advocate General Corps, which uh, made him licensed to practice law in New York State. He specialized in cases involving veterans, and he had represented clients both in the Bronx and upstate Monticello. On his LinkedIn page, it says, quote, 
I'm donating my legal expertise to help veterans in all fields to reintegrate them back into society and help them um, with their issues. Facebook also had various pictures of him with uh, other veterans at various veterans events. It's always sporting a lot of his military medals. At one point, he was honored with other vets at Yankee Stadium in New York. He had his picture taken with former police commissioner Ray Kelly. The cases that he tended to represent weren't big cases, but they were cases nonetheless. So it was with the case he was representing in Queens back in 2014. He was arguing the case of a Queens man, a veteran, who had been ticketed for catching a fish that was too big. (laughs) That's a thing? Now, like I said, he had successfully presented cases in court before, but Hempstead officials knew something was wrong when he showed up in court wearing his suit completely covered in medals, military medals and ribbons. And according to court officials, jabbering away like Joe Pesci in My Cousin Vinny. (gasps) One of my favorites. You want to do your impersonation of... uh... Marissa Tomei. Yeah. She, I don't know. She does a killer Marissa Is it good? Tomei. Yeah. Do it, Kat. Uh, hold, I have to get into character. What's my motivation? All right, so he's going to go. I'm going to take my headphones off. You're going to kill a deer? Imagine you're a deer. You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. You put your little deer lips down to the cool, clear water, and bam! A fucking bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are scattered on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a fuck what kind of pants the son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? Very good. It's Thank frighteningly you. authentic, isn't Thank it? You. That's really good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. Okay. So he comes into court, he's wearing his suit, he's just covered in medals. And one of the medals he was wearing included a cluster of uh, Lieutenant Commander Oak Leaves, Hempstead court officials said everyone thought it was a bit odd. Quote, his awareness of courtroom decorum was lacking, to say the least. So Nassau County launched an investigation. A mistrial was declared and Goldstein was arrested. During their investigation of Goldstein, it came to light that he had misrepresented a veteran in a Bronx family court case and was held in contempt by a Monticello judge after he lunged at the judge who accused him of being a fraud. (laughs) After his arrest, Goldstein's... Now, again, he was none of the things that he claimed to be. Sure. He was like a a member of the Coast Guard, I think, but he had never fought (laughs) in the Gulf War He had never received any medals like this. After his arrest, Goldstein said he was being targeted and the victim of a witch hunt because prosecutors didn't have a good case against his client on that fishing charge. (laughs) (laughs) He said, to try to take an honorable man down is ridiculous. Referring to himself, of course. Of course, yeah. (laughs) My source for this... uh, This story, my material sources, (laughs) the New York Post, the Bronx Chronicle, Valor Guardians, which they they go after people who pretend to be veterans and and well, they should. Uh, CNN, NBC, New York and Newser. So there you go. Very nice. Yeah. You know, I uh, I get a lot of those um, stolen Valor videos uh, suggested on my uh, YouTube algorithm. And I I'm always impressed at the people who. who who take on that uh, yes. take on that fight? Yeah, absolutely. 
a little golf clap for good on them. For that. Yeah, Thank as you long as ladies. you know what you're talking about, because you remember that woman not long ago, I think it was about a year ago, who attacked a man in a fast food restaurant because she didn't think that his uniform looked legit. Yeah. And I mean, she got sued. Yeah, he was like a retired lieutenant colonel or something like that. And she's wow. she's at a fast food restaurant slapping him with a tortilla. <laughs> Which is really a popular thing nowadays, it I is. understand. It yeah. is. Tortilla slapping. Yeah, it is. That sounds like a euphemism for something very dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> I got plans for tonight. You're going to be slapping the old tortilla. Tortilla, if you, you know, know what, what I'm I mean. saying. Anyway. Listen, ladies, you don't have to get it adjusted. It's the way nature made you. <laughs> if your tortilla hangs low, it's supposed to. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, I'm glad Kat said that and not one of us. <laughs> yeah. I don't think either one of us could have said that. <laughs> no, yeah. no. We don't have the uh, experience uh, nor the bravery. <laughs> anyway, the shallow end, we uh, thank you for hanging out with us again. You could get more information uh, on our website, shallowendpodcast.com. We're in the process of putting some ideas together for some merch, which should be available before long. And if you have story suggestions, you can um, submit them either on our social media sites or by email. Email us directly. And we look forward to hanging out with you again in the near future. Make good choices. Your life might very well depend on it. <laughs> so concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is... Well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.